Again, I ask you guys to find in your Bible, John chapter 12, verse 24. And uh, we're going to continue our, our series on finding and restoring hope. And today, specifically, I want to talk about finding hope in life's transitions. You know, we have all kinds of transitions in life, everything from our first day of school uh, to going off to college to getting into um, our relationships, finding out who we're going to marry, getting starting in marriage, having kids, new jobs, changing location. I mean, and there's, so there's some positive ones and then loss of loved ones and, and you know, in, in even our own aging. Life is about transitions. It's about change and it's inevitable, it's constant, and it doesn't have to be something that we dread. But for a lot of people, transitions are very, very difficult because they're unsettling. And a lot of times they push back against our expectations, our hopes, our dreams, and it can really send us into a tailspin. You know, the, the first, so to move into this message today, I want to give us some questions to ask when we face transitions in life in order to find hope. We want you to be able to look at transitions in life with hope. So the first question I think that matters is, will I live for a greater story? You know, what happens with transitions is that our storyline gets mixed up, right? We thought things would play out this way, or we had hoped things would happen this way, or we knew they were coming, but we had hoped that time would move a little slower. And it's this idea that we turn one page and close one chapter and have no idea what the next chapter is. But because it feels so final and so definite and we know we can't go back, it makes us wonder whether, you know, we can trust or hope or move on. And I'll never forget the first day we dropped Emily off at school. I mean, I cried all day. Our first child, first day of kindergarten, it just, it ate me up. And it was just that real reality that there was a chapter in our life that closed that I was never going to be able to go back. I had to remember it, but I was never going to be able to relive it. And that's where the tension comes, you know, and then there's this idea of, well, do I really want to keep my kid the same age? Well, no, because there are, there are many chapters that are good. You know, you want to see, you know, I want to see my kids grow up. I want to see who they become. I want to see what their interests are. I want to, I want to experience all of those things, you know, and, and experience life with them. And so there's a greater story, but even within that, I can impose my, my expectations and my will upon them and really we need to think of our life in a bigger story, in a bigger context. And we see this in John chapter 12, verses 24 through 28. And just so that you know, this is a big transition for the life of Jesus because he's now talking to his disciples saying, listen, the way you and I interact with each other is about to change. This is him telling that he's going to die on the cross and he's going to rise again from the dead, that the relationship is going to change, that this chapter is going to close and there's a new one opening. And he's trying to get that across to people. And he turns around and he says this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus turns around and he talks about this incredible transition that he's about to make. And he says, I want to give you an illustration. And for a culture that was built on agriculture, this made a ton of sense. It's like wheat is good, but wheat can leave something behind. It can actually leave a lot of things behind if it's actually invested right. It's put into the ground and and it in its current state dies. It transitions from what it is now to become what it is in the future. And God looks at us the same way. He says, it's true in my life here on earth. It's going to be true on your life here on earth. There are going to be chapters that, that, that close. There are going to be seasons that end. There are going to be things about you that need to die. 
in your life do you need to let go of so that new things can come? Because if they don't, then you just exist and nothing comes. And so it's this greater storyline that Jesus is talking about. It's not just about this moment and holding on to this moment and, and, and not moving into the next moment because we're afraid of the unknown. It's realizing that what God has for us in the future is greater. And yeah, that part of letting go seems really scary unless we really trust the one that is writing the story. And so we see this in this verse. And it bears much fruit, right? Remember, the greater storyline of Christianity comes down to this idea of old to new, from death to life, from darkness to light, from brokenness to healing. This is the great story of all creation. God reaches into brokenness and he brings people to healing. He reaches into your life of darkness and brings you into light. God brings you from spiritual death into spiritual life. This is not just a moment in time in your life. This is the storyline of your life. This is the storyline of all of creation, that God is taking old things and making them new. And so we can look at this greater story and say, yes, this season ends, yes, this chapter closes, and yes, I let this thing go, but I can be hopeful because I know that God's storyline is always going to be from death to light. It's always going to be from, from darkness to life. It's, it's always going to be from brokenness to healing. It's always going to be from old creation into new creation. God ultimately desires renewal of all things. And we can turn the page and anticipate the next chapter being one of hope and promise because this is who God is and what he desires to do. And so when we look at transitions, we have to ask ourselves if we're dreading it and feeling a little hopeless, am I living for the greater story? Am I letting God be the author and perfecter of my faith? God correcting my dreams for his dreams. God correcting my wishes for his wishes. My misunderstandings for his understanding. The second question that we need to ask when we face transitions in life is, am I living or existing? See, most people really fear transition in life not because of the unknown. They're afraid that they haven't really lived the moment that they've had. Right? People that... Fear death typically aren't necessarily afraid of death, but they're more afraid that they haven't really lived. It's all the things that they never did, all the things that they never took the initiative to do, the moments that they didn't make to slow down and to value what was most important. People ultimately fear not really living. But people that really live and take those moments and manage their time right, that, that fear goes away because you know that there's more life to come. You, you feel full in the current moment that you have so that you don't feel that sense of loss with the moment that's coming in the future. And so that's a good question for us to wrestle with. Am I living or existing? Where do we see this? John chapter 12, verse 25. Jesus puts it to us like this. Whoever loves his life will lose it. Who's a person that loves his life? 
He's using this figure of speech, if you will, to say the person that tries to hold on to everything to protect themselves, to to wrap themselves in spiritual, emotional, and physical bubble wrap, if you will, and eliminate any possibility of harm or hurt. They actually seclude themselves. They hide. They have all these pent up wishes and hopes and dreams until they ultimately die off. and, And they just sit there in that moment, never going anywhere, hoping that somehow it will miraculously come to them. It's this person that's trying to control, protect, and preserve their own life. And they're holding on to it so tight. And the Bible says that you're ultimately going to find out that you lose your life. You're going to look back and realize, I wasted all that time. But Jesus says, whoever hates his life in this world, again, taking the extreme opposite, someone that's so protective, but someone that says, I'm carelessly throwing it out there to the wind, in this world will keep it for eternal life. They'll actually find it and it'll lead all the way into eternal life. The transition between here and there won't be as drastic. He says this at the introduction of what it means to follow him. If any man would save his life, he'll lose it. But any man who loses his life for my sake will find it. God promises us life if we're willing to live it and give it over to him and allow him to be the author of our story. So what's keeping you from really living? Why do we try to preserve our life and hold on to it so closely? How much time have we lost? How many moments do we miss? And what would it really look like if you gave it to Jesus? And you say, God, I'm going to live it to the fullest. You're in charge. Instead of trying to save my life, I'm going to give it to you and allow you to give me life. Which brings us to our third question. Who am I serving? Who am I serving? You ever wonder about that? See, some of us look at serving as a debt that we owe God or a debt that we owe another person. Some of us go to work because we feel like we owe our bosses something. Some of us are in marriages and we serve because we feel like we owe the other person something. That's not really serving, and quite honestly, it's more self-serving. Because if you can define what you think the other person expects, then you can measure your worth based on how well you perform in your own eyes. And it's a slavery it's a burden. It's crushing. But what if we looked at it the way Jesus says in the next verse? So he says, listen, you need to go from old chapter to new chapter. You need to trust a greater story. And, and you need to realize that life is meant to be lived and not just in existence, but truly lived and spent. And then he turns around and he says, and if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Did you know you could serve someone and not really follow them? The idea here is that you're trying to manipulate God to follow you. We can do that. We can do certain things and say, God, you owe me. This is what I want you to do. But really what God wants to do is say, listen, if you serve me, follow me. It's like, it's saying, God, I'm trusting you to give me direction in life. I'm serving you. I'm serving with you. I'm serving for you. I'm serving alongside of you. I'm not doing this to get you. It's jumping off of the performance treadmill and saying, God, 
I just want to come alongside you. That's what the word serve means. I want to come alongside you. He says, listen, if you're going to serve me, it's not this slavery. And so when you're asking me to do things in your life, it's not about trying to convince me that that's important. It's not about you trying to do the right things to get me to to approve of you and to bless you and to be with you. I just want you to come alongside me. I just want you to come alongside me. And so, God, I, I can go into whatever transition it is, whether my kid's going off to college. Man, you want to talk about something that's going to mess with your mind? It's like I got a 17-year-old, almost 17-year-old. She's going to be going off to college, right? And I don't know if the news is telling the truth or not, but you see what's going on on college campuses right now? It's terrifying. You're like, oh, my gosh, you know, does she know enough? Did I do enough? You know, and so we get into this, this, this tension of, am I doing the right things, God? You know, so that, that, that somehow you've invested enough in her that she will turn out okay. And instead of teaching her how to know, love, and follow Jesus and say, here, baby girl, this is what it looks like when, when, you know, you follow Jesus. Here's what it means to pray. Here's what it means to read the Bible. Here's what it means to repent when you get it wrong. Here's what it means to hear God's voice and to trust him. You know, instead of focusing on the things that matter most, coming alongside, teaching her how to walk with Jesus... I can teach her all the mechanics and all the rules and all the rituals and lay a whole list of burdens on her that she couldn't fulfill in her life and then face that transition with dread. And quite honestly, taught her that that's what it means to trust Jesus, to dread serving him. There's no way to live. And it's not what God intended. But he says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. You know what he's saying? He's like, I'm going to lead and I'm going to keep you close. Doesn't that encourage you? If I'm simply saying, God, you've invited me to follow you. I'm coming alongside you. I'm serving you. God, my life is yours. It's, it's for your glory. It's for your greater story, God. And I don't want to hold it back. I want to experience everything you have for me. And so, God, I'm serving you. I'm following you. I'm trusting you. And God says, great, because where I go, you're going to be right there with me. I'm going to make sure that you don't miss a step. God, make sure that you won't miss a step. How does that change us praying for God's will? Man, have you ever prayed for God's will and wondered if you ever got it right? And then when it gets hard, you're thinking, well, maybe I didn't choose right. Well, truth is there are going to be good days and bad days. God's will doesn't promise us a life without challenge. It promises us a life in his presence. That's what you want. And so God's will is about, God, will this allow me to stay close to you? I want to serve you and not myself. See, it changes. It's a different question. Who am I serving? The next question is, what do I believe about the Father? Let's look at that verse again. What do I believe about the Father? If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, listen, this is God's promise. It's like, if you're willing to come alongside me and you're willing to let me carry you into fullness of life, if you're willing to embrace this greater story, the Father will honor you. The 
Father is going to value that commitment. He's not going to look at you and condemn you. He's not going to look at you and rain down conflict on you. So when your car breaks down and your appliances break down and your bank account is empty, doesn't mean that God's brought judgment upon you. It just means that your car is crap, your refrigerator went out, and you need more money. It's that simple. It's not an indictment against you. And God's like, I know that you serve me and you can trust me to honor your love and service to me. You can trust that my response to you is always going to be good, even though the road looks really dark. Remember the greater story. I am the master at taking people from death to life, from darkness to light, from brokenness to healing. That's my story that's your story. This will not end you. I will honor you because you serve me. Isn't that a powerful thought? What do you really believe about the Father? That he says, do this and you didn't do it, so I'm going to apply pressure to ruin your life? I'm going to make it so miserable for you that you wish that you had lived in misery of honoring me? Gosh, dads, husbands, I don't know how you treat your wife. I don't know how you treat your kids, but I get that wrong a lot. If I can just make them miserable, then they'll never want to do that again. And no, what I teach them is that dad is a miserable person to be around. Or my husband is a miserable person to be around. But if I care about their good, and I advocate for their good, and I speak to their heart, and it's like I really... I want this for you. And yeah, sometimes there are just things we got to do and things that we, we want to do that we shouldn't do because they just rob us of being able to be able to sit across the table from each other and not feel any sense of tension or separation. That's why we want your heart home. This is how God appeals to us. Is he a loving, always good, always kind father? Or is he a demanding, harsh, critical, step up or I'm smacking you in the back of the head kind of father? Because that's going to determine whether you view your transitions as hope or pressure. Next question. Will I embrace my purpose? This one's hard. Because when we think about purpose, it's that positive stuff, right? I'm going to change the world. I'm going to raise the best kids. I'm going to be the best employee, right? We, our purpose is always tied to greatness. But we have a hard time seeing brokenness as greatness. We have a hard time seeing that, that the greatest things about our life is being completely vulnerable and God being in the midst of that. We have a hard time just being there as we are and realizing that God loves us and the greatness of that moment. Will I embrace my purpose? You know, what's really powerful is that Jesus was looking at his greatness. This next verse, it turns from exhortation to the disciples and personal reflection upon himself. And he says, what I'm about to face on the cross is going to suck. It's harsh, it's cruel, it's overwhelming. I don't like it. It's not even my fault. And this is what he prays. 
Now my soul is troubled. It's like storm tossed, complete agony, no sense of hope or rest or peace. You ever felt that way? <laughs> Listen to what he said. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. God saved me from the cross, but it's for this purpose that I've come to the cross. Verse 28. Father, glorify your name. That's what he chose to say. We have a hard time with glory because the word isn't, there's not really a good English word that applies. It, it carries the idea of weight. It's having this incredible beauty that, that's weighty. It's, it's overwhelming. You can't quite take it all in. It's so abstract that it never becomes concrete. It's seeing something so beautiful and never being able to get over its beauty and just feeling the sense of awe and weight of that. But it also carries the idea of magnifying. It just, it, it, it makes, it's, it's so huge and beyond you that it overwhelms you. This is what glory means, to be overwhelmed and to be, to, to feel this sense of weight of something's worth. And he says, I could say, God saved me from this hour, or I could realize that God's brought me to this hour for a reason. And my, my prayer is, Father, glorify your name. I'm tempted to say, Father, save me from it. But I'm going to say, Father, glorify your name. Magnify your name. Overwhelm me with your name, your character, your person. See, the word glorify means magnify, and we magnify things in two ways, right? Telescopes and microscopes. Microscopes take the things that are so small, and we can't see them, and it brings them, it makes them really big to the human eye where we can examine them in depth. It's saying, God, this is so overwhelming. I can't even see you in this. I'm not even sure you're alive and you exist. Glorify your name. Make yourself big in my life in this moment. That's my purpose. My purpose is to see God. So that I can reflect God. So I can praise God. So I can serve God. That's your purpose. And you can do that at whatever job, whatever task, whatever menial thing you're doing. But God, I can't see you. Help me to see you. Just help me to enjoy you in this moment, the mundane. And to realize that God is there in the mundane is pretty great. But see, then God also seems a million miles away, right? And that's where the telescope comes in. That's where it takes things that are light years away and brings them really close. See, glory is about seeing God as bigger than he is and closer than we feel. That's what he prayed for. Father, help me to see you bigger than you really are, than I'm seeing you right now. Help me to sense that you're closer than I feel right now. That's why I'm here, to know you, to see you, to feel you. And if it takes taking away all of the norms for something to die in me, to give me life, then Father, that's what I want. 
And then a voice came from heaven. (laughs) I've glorified it. I've shown you before, son. And I will glorify it again. I will show you again. That's God's promise to you. Because remember, you're following Jesus, and where is Jesus going? To the Father. What is true of Jesus is true of you and I today.